standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus, episode 563, coming to you on January the 11th, the year of our Lord, 2024. It is a Thursday, and as per my preference, I'm going to go through a either a book or a movie on Thursdays, one, to just kind of change things up, and two, just to see if there's any applicability to what we're going through in today's day and age, right? So I'm going to be honest, uh, up until I was about 30, I watched a ton of movies. I, I enjoyed watching movies. It was kind of the getaway thing. And then as life kicked in, you get in your mid twenties, late twenties responsibilities and movies become a secondary thing. Quite frankly, there there are plenty of movies that have come out that looked interesting, but when I missed them, I just didn't think anything about it. Uh, case in point would be, um, you know, the, there was the second wave of the Star Wars movies. I think maybe I got dragged to one or two of them. I, I don't even remember them. M- my children, as they became older and they in, how shall I say this? They found out. <laughs> There was a sequel that predated the middle. They were not happy with me. Dad, how could you deprive us of this? And what's worse yet, apparently, I never had them watch the uh, Indiana Jones movies. Or for that matter, Romancing the Stone. And I know, look, some of you might not be as enthusiastic about it. I saw it when I was like 12, and I thought it was an awesome, fun movie. But again, this is just stuff that I didn't put in front of my daughters when they were young. Um, so as, as it is, I... Probably the only movies I've seen with any regularity are the superhero movies and the James Bond movies. One James Bond is just kind of the thing. It usually comes out about the, my time of year that my birthday is. And that's my reward to myself, if you will. Uh, and then, of course, the superhero movies. I'm a sucker for Captain America. I'm just going to put it like that. Um, and then, of course, the the movies were really good uh, in the uh I guess I, I, the infinity, infinity stone saga, I guess is what they call it. Again, I don't, I don't care. I just want a good story where I go watch things blow up, some fighting, maybe some really explosive scenes, whatever. I, I want to escape. I want to get away. I don't want to be beat up. I don't want to be preached at. I don't, I don't want the strong message movies. Now, that being said, several movies that I have seen over the years were quite strong on the message, but those messages I knew about going in and I was willing to hear what they had to say. I might have reviewed more than one of them up to this point. And when I talk about a review, I just kind of give some random thoughts, maybe throw a quote in and I move on. But it, it's important because in my mind, what media was supposed to do is tell you the things the press is supposed to tell you the things that the official line doesn't do that, that you won't hear from those that seek to oppress you. Now, unfortunately the oppressors, the tyrannical governments around the world, they've already learned this lesson firsthand. They must change the story. They might must control the story. And I mean, we've always heard about Goebbels, but he was never the first guy. Maybe he brought it to the next level, but I will tell you that Hollywood has taken it two or three levels beyond what Goebbels could have ever imagined. That being said, good movies slip through, uh, good messages slip through. It's not perfect. It's not absolute. 
So over this, uh, I don't know, last 10 years, I, I can count the number of movies I've probably seen in the theater per year on one hand, probably. So I've heard people talk about John Wick all the time. I'd never seen it in a theater, had zero interest in seeing a theater, uh, no dislike of Keanu Reeves, but I didn't bother to go see the matrix either. There, there was zero interest in seeing either the matrix movies, which apparently after you see the third one, you probably regret seeing the first two, but be that as it may, I don't care. It's, it's not that big a deal. And, and the, the only movie that I can think of with Keanu Reeves that I really, really liked, well, besides, uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, but that's a different story. Uh, probably would have been point break. I mean, again, no disrespect, no dislike, just it wasn't my thing. So I found myself with some downtime over the last uh, week or so, and I ended up watching John Wick. Now, I knew what it was about. I'd seen pieces of it. I, I probably even have seen longer excerpts at some point during the time watching on cable or something, but I never sat down and watched the whole movie from start to finish, at least that I could recall. So I, I've done that, and what I found interesting is the fear, the fear that these, we're going to call, use the word mafia, though it's probably not, no, you know what, I'll change it. These are criminal organizations, people that run criminal organizations, and the absolute fear they have of this guy. And this guy apparently is known for his determination, his willpower, and the absolute necessity of getting things done which is why they have this fear because somebody that's highly motivated and keeps coming at you will ultimately be successful. My opinion on how you would understand that. So to me, I look at that and and beyond the obvious revenge fantasy movie that it is. And I got to be honest as a father of daughters I can't say that I hadn't ever thought, what if that guy does X, Y, Z, what do I do? Well, I'm not John Wick. <laughs> not not one one hundredth of what that character appears to be. I'm, I'm not James Bond. I'm not Captain America. I'm none of that. I'm just the average dad, right? You're never, ever going to do that. But it, it helps you to release that pressure, that angst, whatever. When, so setting that aside, we're going we're gonna to cut that aspect out of the revenge porn. And we're going to look at it as the fear that the antagonists have for the protagonist. They're all very much afraid of what's going to happen. One. And if he takes action to me, I, I can't help but see an analogy because those people that are in charge, they have the control, they have the money they, they're calling the shots, but they know They know that their position is wholly dependent on us not taking action. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go take up arms. I'm not suggesting that we just need a few John Wicks and we can go fix everything. What I am suggesting is there are ways of taking action short of putting three bullets in a body. I think that's called stop loss. Stop. Doesn't matter. Uh, two to the chest, one to the head, right? I am not a shootist. I am not, you know, I am not going to give anybody any classes on tactical anything. 
I find it kind of interesting. I'll read it. I'll watch it, whatever. But that's not me. You've got to know your limitations. (laughs) I know my limitations. So that being said, the strength of will, the fortitude, that's what scares these guys the most. And, And I think it's true on both scenarios, right? And honestly, everything that I talk about largely deals with the fact that we don't live in a world where we're in charge and the people that are in charge seek to take more and more away from us to limit our options. And quite frankly, they would be perfectly content to enslave 99% of the world. Well, I'm not down with that. So what does that mean? We have to reconsider. Now, the other thing that should be noted, this character doesn't just lash out. He is methodical on how he plans and how he prepares and the things that he takes and he has fallbacks and he's got egress planned out for him, right? He, he knows what he's going to do as a character. Now, when you're dealing with a large sum of people, you can't prevent certain people from taking actions that aren't well thought out. You can't stop people from acting on their own. And I don't think that's necessarily something that we want to do anyway, but we we do need to act in concert. We do have to be on the same page or at least in the same book. We want these things. How do we accomplish them? And what's the best way to apply pressure to the people that seek to end us? And that's what it all boils down to, right? In the in the movie, it, you know, famously, they stole his car and killed his dog. And in response, I don't know what the number is. Let's say it's 120 men die. But it didn't mean that the guy didn't have pity or he didn't have restraint. There's a wrestler turned actor, Kevin Nash. I heard him talk about this at one point. Uh, it, you know, he was interviewed about this scene in the movie and John Wick's character is behind him, you know, puts the gun basically to his head and he's asked by Francis, I think his character's name. Hey, uh, are you working tonight? Afraid so. Um, and then they, a couple more things go by and basically Francis is a thank you for not getting killed. And this is again, my interpretation of both the interview and what I saw in the movie tells them how many people are there and then promptly leaves the scene. This guy's clearly angry with the whole organization. There's really no reason let to let this guy live other than the problem wasn't caused by this guy. There's restraint. There's targeted action. Likewise, when he goes through and does all the damage that he's doing, it's not full on recklessness. He he tries to pay attention to where he's at, but he doesn't let everything else get in his way. There undoubtedly are what you would call collateral damage. Innocents injured or killed. Some of that could be attributed to the fact that they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Some of it could have been attributed that they are, in fact, criminals. Uh, they just happen to get a comeuppance on their penalties. And to be clear, in the movie, none of these people, including John Wick, are good people. They're not good guys. Now, we're supposed to feel for this guy that he gave up his life, that he had, and he had five years of bliss with the woman of his dreams. And that changed him and made him a new man until they took it away from him. 
Again, this is an older trope. We've seen this before. Uh, the gunslinger puts up his guns, goes to live on the farm until they show up in, or the ranch until they show up and wreck his life. And then he goes to deal with the problem. So th- there's your corollary, right? There's this trope. There's this, there's this idea that this goes on and you can't help but enjoy a good part of it, right? People getting what they deserve. And, and that's a major theme that should be explored because, quite frankly, we have an entire class or subclass of people that get many, many things that they don't deserve and, in fact, never receive the thing that they do deserve. They're the ones calling the shots. They're the ones pulling the strings. They're the ones that think they're above it all and removed from it all. But at night, I wonder if they go home and think, well, what if the boogeyman comes? What happens if those people out there realize that they outnumber us the couple thousand to one? What are they going to do if they realize there's nothing to prevent them from just ending this right here and right now? I mean, clearly they're trying everything under the sun to keep us at each other's throats, to distract us, to point us in different directions, to not allow us to figure out what's playing out in front of us. That's not really covered by this movie, mind you. But clearly when action is decided, when when we decide we've had enough, the results will not be as lopsided, but they will be equally as devastating. You know, I, I got to laugh. They, they've quit calling it an insurrection now on uh, January the 6th. Um, now it's a riot. I'm not sure how it's not a mostly peaceful riot based upon um, the summer of love. Notwithstanding that, none of those people went there armed. None of those people went there and actually hurt or physically killed anybody, except for a few Capitol Police people who shot Ashley Babbitt, who beat up another older lady who, you know, they, they did all these different things. No, look, I said back then, I don't think it's a good idea. I wouldn't be in DC. I don't go there. I don't trust them. I don't, I don't trust what's going to happen. I'm out, but I don't fault somebody else that wanted to go and support either Trump or just support what they believed was an injustice or support fighting back against an injustice. So let's put it that way. But those people were petrified, and they should have been petrified, allegedly, that the million people or whatever that were there actually just kind of moved on their own. They, they maybe put a pinky toe over the line in some places. Now, granted, a lot of these people were manipulated and pushed into taking those actions. Uh, look up Ray Epps if you doubt me. We've got... January 6th uh, individuals that are political prisoners that have been locked up for two years in solitary confinement. But Ray Epps, who is on film encouraging people to violate the law, their words, not mine, encouraging people to go take actions that are maybe beyond the pale. Again, their, their uh, video shows us not, not, I'm not pure conjecture here, but he's walking around a free man. Don't tell me he wasn't a Fed. Don't tell me he wasn't in part of the game. Don't tell me there wasn't something else going on here. It should all be self-evident. But here we are. And again, the strength of will of people. If only one in 10 of those folks that were there in D.C. would have had the force of will. 
that had decided enough was enough. I'm fairly certain nobody could have stopped them. So, yes, indeed, our powers that be, our actors in Washington, very, very fearful of we the people. The other thing that I find um, quite interesting is the fact that even the criminals, even the assassins, the bad guys, however you want to classify them, they had their own code. They had rules and they followed those rules amongst themselves. I mean, we, the people that are not in there, but they, they punished their own and they dealt with it in a very, um, let's call it direct way. And there were certain things that were represented as being so. Now, granted, this is a movie. It's fiction. We, we don't know what's if there's a larger message here uh, or not, other than there's order, right? The Assassin's League or whatever you want to go down that road. I don't really care. Um, I just, I wanted to relate that they had rules and they followed them and they enforced them. Yet the people that try and run our country, they don't, they hold themselves to a different standard they ignore the rules. They create new rules. They don't punish themselves. They don't hold anybody accountable. In fact, they seem to reward the people that do the worst amount of stuff. They, 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 they have less honor than the assassins. And, and again, I thought it was kind of unusual that they went to such great lengths in the movie to show that there's this code, that there's these rules and this is the way, and I understand why they would be that way. And I understand, well, one, it makes for an interesting plot and two, why that they might demonstrate that there is a need or a necessity for those things to be in place. But at the end of the day, I'm left wondering if a bunch of criminals a bunch of killers came to the conclusion that we need to have rules so we can you know, not go crazy. How is it that the people that are supposedly in charge of our country, how is it the people that are supposedly smarter, brighter, and richer than us haven't figured that out? Again, living under this idea of the rules for thee and the rules for we, and to a certain extent, I accept that that's the natural way. Things have always been, right? The, the rulers aren't held to the same standard. But I would ask you, there's still a standard, right? And whatever that standard is, somebody still gets to hold them accountable to that, right? When you have elected officials, regardless of which party they are, that run around calling people traitors, that's a problem. It should be investigated. Now, even if you don't take it serious, seriously, excuse me, when you got a guy like Swalwell, how is that guy still wandering around? How are these people that shack up with foreign national spies that sell us out? They're walking around like nothing. Yet people that showed up to a protest that maybe put a pinky toe over a line somewhere. Uh, they're locked up for multiple years in solitary confinement and haven't gotten any due process. And they're the worst thing in the world. But hey. A guy that's elected to office that sells out the very country that he's supposed to represent, nothing happens. So clearly, whatever code they have doesn't exist. 
whatever rules ought to exist, even in a bifurcated or leveled system, they got some really weird rules for themselves, don't they? So let me ask you, how can you not think about what happens when we, the people have had enough, when they metaphorically kill our dog, steal our car, what's going to happen then? I mean, I know they're worried about it. I know that's why they do the things that they do. I know that's why they're trying to scare people into compliance. I know that's why there's targeted abuses and excess. I get all of that. I can wrap my head around that. I know what's at play here. But at the end of the day, your average, I don't know, badge wearing person, your average military person, they're not stupid. They might take orders. They might want to preserve their pension. They might want to get a retirement, all those things. But when things get to a point, I'm not sure that they're going to get the help that they think they're going to get. I'm not sure that those people are going to be willing to sacrifice their family security, their extended family security, their friend's security, just to keep that little bit of money that may or may not show up once a month. So where does that leave us? Back to the movie. The uh, a deal more or less is struck between the antagonist and the protagonist. Uh, you took the last thing of my wife and my family. I'm going to take your son. And that may have been enough, but then the antagonist uh, amps it up another notch and the protagonist decides that he must go as well. Funny how that works. You, you had a deal and you couldn't even keep the deal. And it cost you your life. Now, I don't want, and again, and I feel like maybe just maybe there's somebody that works for an agency somewhere that's listening to this and is thinking that I'm calling for something. So I want to be clear. I want to take the last couple of minutes here and I want to be clear. One, as a student of history, as a student of political science, as a guy that spent a couple of years in the Navy, which is probably potentially the second easiest branch in the military. The only thing easier is the Air Force. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. But the reality is they all have their strengths. They're all, they'll have their weaknesses. We all have a role. I don't want a war. I don't want any form of war on this soil if it can be avoided. I would never advocate for that. I wouldn't even advocate for targeted elimination, any of that stuff. I think that's a very, very bad idea. Once you cross that line, there's no going back. All sides will fight to absolute exhaustion and more than likely what you'll end up with is a tyranny worse than you could ever imagine. If you doubt me, look at France and look at Russia. We don't want that. We would like to settle this civilly. We would like to you know, come to an agreement that both sides can live with or four or five sides could live with. Something that would leave us functional and not sitting ducks. I don't know that we're going to be left with that option. That's what bothers me. That's what concerns me. That's one of the reasons why I continue to do this. I I don't want to start anything. 
I don't want anybody that would ever listen to me to walk away or, or put down the headphones and think, oh, that callous wants me to go take action. No, no, no. You should be prepared perhaps for counteraction. You would definitely be wise to be able to prepare or I'm sorry, to defend yourself or be prepared to look after yourself and your family. I, I wish I on a scale of one to 10, I was a 10. I might be a three or a four, but I, I'm nowhere near what I would like to be. And, and maybe, maybe my three or four is somebody else's seven. I, I don't know, but there's a whole lot of people with zeros. They have zero, zero readiness. Zero anything. I got to tell you, that's that's what our masters, our self-appointed masters, they want. They want us to be incapable of taking care of ourselves. They want us to be incapable of thinking for ourselves. They want us to be fully dependent on them. Again, I'm not down with that. I can't fix everything. I, I wouldn't even pretend to know where to start in trying to fix everything. But what I can tell you is, Taking action short of John Wick is political action. Taking action through education. Taking action through, quite frankly, entertainment. Taking action through interaction. Building your network. Finding friends and allies. These are all very first steps. Continuing to do this. Continuing to be reliant. Continuing to, oh, here it is again. Develop a culture of independence. All of that is far more a threat to those that seek to oppress us than a couple of lone guys show up pretending they're John Wick or Rambo, if you prefer. You see, we still have a code. Our our self-appointed masters don't have a code. Nothing, nothing like it at all. In fact, their code is probably the inverse of what is normal. That if they should have one, our code is we don't hurt people. We don't take their stuff. We treat people with respect. We we want to get along as much as possible. Some would call this the golden rule. Now, not everybody is exactly on the same page, but as a general default setting, if people have their basic needs net, they don't met, excuse me, not net met. They don't feel the need to go out and beat up their neighbors. They don't feel the need to go out and interfere with what other people are doing. But when you put substantial roadblocks in their way, when you interfere with their life, when they, when you take away the last part of their family, they react. Ten million people, with ten percent being armed with something shows up in a city anywhere. You tell me how you stop that. You tell me how you prevent prevent the calamity that comes. But I will tell you, as sure as I'm sitting here, I don't want to ever, ever see that. Nor do you. There are peaceful options. There are opportunities that we need to look at. There are much better outcomes than that. And I implore you, please consider, please take action on those first and foremost. We don't want to relive one-tenth of what happens in a John Wick movie. We don't, we don't want to relive one-tenth of what happened in the Rambo movie. None of that is ideal. 
It looks great on film. It tells a fun story. But in reality, you don't want to experience that firsthand, secondhand, or thirdhand. You don't want to be anywhere near that. And with that, it's a little heavier than I expected. Maybe go watch John Wick again. See if you have similar thoughts. And, you know, I'm going to watch part two here, I guess, too. (laughs) In any case, with that, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.